Welcome to this new episode of the Learn Buteco podcast. We continue on our journey with Renate Duplessis, who is going to give us an update on her pregnancy. This episode was recorded a while ago when she was 38 week pregnant and we are going to be delighted to hear about her testimony and what it takes to be a healthy mother at 40 years old. Where are you at now? Renata tell us. So tomorrow I'll be at 38 weeks. What's the news Renata? How's it been the last few weeks? It's been like it's pretty uneventful. I mean it's other than the baby um, just getting bigger and it's not really a, a whole lot of difference happening. I have noticed that um, um, if I had to to say where where did my control post start when I was pregnant, my control post started about 55 when I got pregnant. And then soon after I found out I was pregnant, it dropped to about, you know, 48 or so. And then I kept it there for a while. And then we went to 45. And then at 16 weeks, around 16, 18 weeks, I was around 42. And then, you know, you could just sort of see like the de development of the, um, the baby using my CO2, I guess. Um, then uh, it stayed at 35 for a really long time. And just now that I'm sort of becoming a lot bigger, um, especially the, the, the ninth, well, the eighth and the ninth month here, last trimester, it, it fluctuates between 30 32 and sometimes 28 in the morning, just what it, what it would be in the morning. And then after I do a small practice, it would be about 35. Mm -hmm. So I can at least keep it at 35 and I can do some shallow breathing. But I have noticed, you know, the, the body has interesting coping mechanisms to, to make sure I don't breathe very much or not very much, but breathe less is Almost every time you eat anything, it doesn't matter if it's raw food or if it's, it's any food, um, you'll sort of have um, some, some nasal congestion. So it's almost like, you know, you ate some food. Now we got to hold the baby in here. We got to digest the food and like we're using CO2 and your corticosteroid is, isn't being used. And, and so I feel like that's probably the body's way of saying, like, let's make you also breathe less. <laughs> So I've noticed that that's been happening a little bit. And um, other than just sort of the body sort of, I can feel like it's starting to prepare itself to sort of transition um, in the next couple of weeks. It's it sort of just changed, got a lot looser, things like that. I, I don't have any body pain, which is very excellent. Um, but you definitely cannot stay in a position for a very long time. So You know, it's not that sleep is interrupted or it's hard to sleep. It's just sort of like after a sleep cycle, your body's like, all right, now you got to go in a different position. And then you can sleep again and, and so on. I've been taking lots of naps <laughs> if I can. So I just sort of, I feel like it's almost like a responsibility to take a nap. So <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I got an hour and a half. Let me take a nap. <laughs> That's really it. I still have, um, I can't say I'm just full of energy. It's I, I have energy and I can still go work. I'm going to go work after this for eight hours <laughs> and it's no problem. I don't have a problem working, but I do know that when I get home, like it's time for me to put my feet up and it's time to not be in standing around in gravity. Everything, everything is a pretty status quo. I, I don't really have anything to complain about. I mean, people ask me all the time. It's really interesting the things people ask you when you're pregnant. 
so are you ready for this baby to be born? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, another question, people are like, how are you feeling? Everybody asks you how you're feeling, almost with the, the indication that you're going to say you feel terrible or you feel like you can't wait for this to be over or, you know, I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at. I'm enjoying every process of, of the way, not wishing the uh, certain process or certain stage to be over um, necessarily just being in the moment that it's happening. My, my body seems to be all doing it naturally. I mean, it's, it's, it's a natural thing. So it's not, um, it's something that's out of the usual. It's not really a condition. It's just an, another state of normal, I would say, that the human body can do. Um, I have no, um, even considering um, being an older pregnant woman, my blood pressure is 100% normal. My blood sugar is 100% normal. I don't have massive fluctuations in any of that. I don't have weird cravings or I never actually had any weird cravings in this pregnancy. Um, uh, like I want to eat pickles in the middle of the night or, you know, pickles and peanut butter or some weird stuff like that. I don't, it, it's just normal food. I have noticed that because of the volume um, that the baby is taking up in my abdomen, I, I cannot eat very much. It's almost like a little small meal here and a little small meal there. Not extremely starving either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what other things can you think about <laughs> to ask me? <laughs> Well, iron levels are okay, yeah. My iron, everything is everything is good. I have no um, indication of any deficiencies of any kind. And uh, I, I recently found out that um, in in my family, my dad's mom was forty eight when she had him. I always thought it was she was forty two, but she was actually forty eight. Mm -hmm. So this um, having healthy pregnancies later on in in life is, um, I guess, it's something that's also in my family. Uh, on both sides, as a matter of fact. And um, I, I felt pretty confident going into it being um, older than most people. I, I must say my midwife is really excellent. She never called my pregnancy a geriatric pregnancy because this is what it's called in Western medicine. Oh no. <laughs> right. Um, but she's like, oh, it's just normal. <laughs> I am one of the oldest people on her, on her list or on her profile or what she's treating at the moment. I have, um, She's like, you're also one of the healthiest. So she's like, I, I have no problems with any of the things that, um, I mean, she pretty much comes in and then she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, great. All right, let's test the, you know, the urine glucose and let's test this and let's hear the heart rate and let's feel, you know, how everything is located as baby is positioned properly, um, head, head down. And, um, and she's like, okay, well, everything's good. Bye. <laughs> You know, it could be a 20 minute visit other than just talking for a bit. <laughs> I, th I think it's great. I think it's remarkable that, you know, the full pregnancy pregnancy has been, you've just been feeling pretty normal, pretty good, uneventful, where actually normally is very eventful, right? I have met recently some women who had good pregnancies too. So it's been nice to talk with people who, who, um, you know, had a great pregnancy or, or whatever. Um, I'm actually looking forward to birth to see like, you know, how this, how this process is taken into birth. Um, sometimes somebody could be, you know, I always considered myself healthy before I even started the method, you know, the, the breathing method. And I feel like little did I know, like how much of my body actually needed to repair or needed to heal. But I feel like that process has happened all the way, you know, taking 
is something on like a pregnancy going into birth is you could have a great pregnancy and a lot of times people can have not that great of a birth and we'll have to see in the next couple of weeks like what what that would be like how the body processes because I have noticed a significant difference in any of my female cycles after I did the method I mean I never had what most women would call just the worst time every time she had a menstrual cycle but there was a significant difference in my menstrual cycle after I was proficient at the method. When my, when my control pause went over 40 and 45, it's almost like it was a non-event. And you'll have a moment where um, you'll sort of have like a, a, a sort of a flash of frustration or something. And you're like, oh, what's that? You know, you always get here. I'm like, oh, what's the month? Um, where's it in the month? And then you sort of realize, okay, um, I think my, my cycle is coming on. And then it's almost like, oh, and it happens. And then it's like, okay, it's happened and, and, and really nothing. You know, it's not like, oh, now it's like this amount of cramping and it's this amount of discomfort and it's this amount of bloating and it's this amount of arguing with your spouse because, you know, you feel sort of like you have water on your brain or something like that. I never, after I became really great at the method, I never experienced any of that. And I wonder how that would translate into an actual birth. Um, the amount of like discomfort or pain or, um, or what the intensity of the contraction would feel to somebody who have sort of normal mental cycles that, you know, don't really have any <laughs> pain with it. I mean, I, I almost have zero pain. So I'm not saying the birth would be zero pain, but you hear these amazing stories of women talking about having these extraordinary births where like they almost felt no pain and like it was almost orgasmic or whatever, you know? So, I mean, it's almost like, let's manifest that instead, <laughs> instead of like a whole bunch of pain and, 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 and that stuff. But I don't wish any of this over. I just would like to be in the moment of experiencing it when it's, going to be happening you know not going like oh when's this contraction going to be over like just be with what is happening at the time and sort of preparing my mind for that because lots of people ask me questions like so are you going to do this and are you going to do this and are you going to do this and you're going to do this and i sometimes think and i'm like well i mean there is a sort of tentative plan that you kind of have in your head but i feel like I, all i would like to do is just be in the moment that i'm experiencing the moment in and stay as calm as I can in the moment, instead of having this like whole plan, and you're gonna do all these things, you can be prepared for a lot of stuff. You can be prepared for a lot of things, but um, I think sometimes just staying calm around what is happening in the moment is the best thing. Because if what you didn't plan is, is happening in the moment, then you're gonna be in conflict with what's happening in the moment. So I'm preparing myself not to have that type of conflict within myself, when, when everything is going down. So just that's the mental preparation. I would say I'm, I'm sort of looking at I'm like, are you doing hypnobirthing? Are you doing this? I'm like, well, you know, I'll focus on shallow breathing and then take it as it comes. You know, I feel like what, what else can you really do in that, in that moment? A lot of times the midwife told me, she's like, there is a moment where you just cannot do anything other than just be there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I had years of experience of sitting still in meditation before I gave birth. So mm -hmm. I was kind of 
geared that way anyway. Mm -hmm. I had a plan. But then you try things out and it wasn't what I wanted to do. I changed it as well. Right. And, you know, I got in the bath. I didn't like it. I got out again. I didn't want to be in the bath. Right. Things, you just do what you need to do at the time. And uh, you know what to do. The body knows what to do. Exactly. You know, it's not anything that it can't deal with it's built to do this you've got the hormones there that will be making the tissues flexible and they'll open up and it'll start rippling away and i'd say that in my case because i had a control pause of 12 it was like sort of opening up a very tight squeaky door it was Mm. it was tight but um there was the capacity to do it um, but it was painful whereas if I'd have had a control pause even 25 seconds I've heard it would have been a lot better I've, I've yeah. worked with women who have a control pause of 25 no right no problem compared to women with a control right. pause less than 20 right so 35 should be fine unless there's something unusual or something structural right. that is there that you didn't anticipate that, exactly but it's less likely to happen right exactly and the thing that i am preparing for is to be able to stay calm in those moments where you know i feel like my physiology is healed to the point where it's you know it's really healed and it's my body has done all all it can do um but it's still up to my own self to control my mind in this in this situation. But the hormones mm-hmm. will have a huge influence on you. You right. may not be able to speak. Right. I couldn't speak. Um, right. Um, all I know is that anything that, that have people have told me a story that didn't turn out how they wanted it to turn out, it is because of a level of anxiety that came through them that um, sort of prevented that from happening. And you push up a level of anxiety, you put up, uh, you know, vasoconstriction, you put up, um, uh, you put up um, sort of um, adrenaline, things like that, that might not be necessary in that moment. I went into absorption. Right. I was totally in it. Right. It's like there was this world going on outside and I, I wasn't part of it. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That nature will do that right and that that plus your awareness that that's what you're going to need and your training also in right. that aspect of of being in the moment because you have that you have a training i mean from what i know from you that's what uh, you know competitive swimming brings you there yes yeah? so you just gotta be right you have to swim diff- your own lane of, co- of course it's a very yeah. different situation yeah mm-hmm. But it does imply that you, that aspect of being in the moment is clearly important, is there, yeah? So Right. Mm. And exactly. Um, I heard a woman describe it um, in something that I read, and she said, there's different places of your brain where different things happen. And you, you, your thoughts and your you know, feelings and stuff like that, or your thoughts really come from the f- frontal cortex. And, and 
it's that's the part you almost want to shut out um and you want to move back in the hind brain where the mammalian brain sits where you you become more like an animal and you you go along with your um instincts of just you know what nature has planned out or how nature does something but it's the process of not staying in the forebrain and staying you know in in your um mammalian brain or your animalistic brain where you're letting your body do it um instead of like trying to think yourself through it all because that's just not how that's going to work that doesn't um that's not where you want to be i mean she said she goes a woman in a coma can deliver a baby um because the body does it you don't do it (laughs) and so exactly so that's where my focus stays as much as I can. I'm prepared for everything. It's just, that's where, if I, if I say, well, what, what are you focusing on? And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that the biggest shock I had was when you get the first punch. You know, when the muscle just goes like that and the head right. goes into the crutch because it starts, you start going. Yeah, it's pressure immense pressure yeah but you the the contractions start to really get strong and it's like being punched in the crutch by a football right well it is a football isn't it let's face it it actually is football (laughs) (laughs) football is uh you know right here whatever you say it's not quite like that but (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) I'm talking about American football. It's like oval shaped, you know. You're talking about a soccer well, ball. It will, be. It will have a pointy yeah. head because the bones yeah. will, will. Yeah. Yeah. No, it comes through like that. Yes, like a rugby ball. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it. That that's the thing that I. Was the only thing that kind of shocked me. Blimey! No. Strong, really strong. Yeah. <laughs> And you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything and you just have to be there for it. I mean, that's yeah. it. You pay attention. You're in it. You right. pay attention. And you want to grapple with every bit of energy you can get hold of to do the job at the time that you need to do your bit. Mm-hmm. So the body does its bit and then you then long it out. You kind of prolong it. Exactly. Uh, so you need it's timing. You have to work out when to come in and do your bit and then when yeah. it's over you take a break and then you go <laughs> exactly so it's it's uh but you'll work it out it's not difficult mm-hmm. if you just mm-hmm. let if you follow the pattern of what's going on it'll be fine All right it's in, in, interesting you know um i i've watched lots of videos and lots and lots of um well actually lots of video footage of um women um delivering um in a very natural organic way and um it does look like women who can do it more naturally and more easily on their own um are in um looks like they're in much healthier shape than most i obviously haven't seen a lot what happens in hospitals but um um when women do it at home or in birthing centers or um, rebirthing on their own, it seems like their bodies are in healthy shape. So, um, 
there's definitely a plus, I think, in any pregnancy, whether it's my pregnancy or anybody's pregnancy, is to be as healthy as you can be. Um, not just before, but also during the whole time, not think, okay, well, I'll have a license to eat like crap and I can do all these things. It will really count against you at the end. What are the pros and cons of giving birth at home? So um, there's, uh, you're more free to do what you want to do at home. When you're in a hospital, you're confined to a room. Like you, you can say you birth in the system or you birth outside of the system. The only way I would ever birth in the system is if there was an emergency. Um, and that's the reason why there is medicine in the first place. And med emergency medicine is real medicine. And that's when it's needed. Um, but birthing outside of the system, whether it's a birthing center or at home, you, you're in your own environment. So there's um, immediately a level of relaxation that, that you have because of the comfort of your couch and your bed and your toilet and your tub and your kitchen and your fridge and you know it's it's that and then the the other thing is when you have somebody that's more free in how they allow you to birth you can be in any position you want to be because i had this conversation with the midwife about women tearing they say what are all the different ways to prevent that um, and, um, one midwife said, you know, in like the 500 births that I've had or something like that, only one or two women tore because they, you know, um, pushed too much or, or just overdid something. Um, they were in a water birth and the water itself is something that sort of softens up the tissue and helps the woman do that. But it's not just that it is the position that you can be in. So a lot of times they put you on your back in the hospital, put your feet in stirrups, and then they say, go ahead and push. A lot of times that pressure sort of like creates tearing more so than it should. Whereas if you can be on all fours or you can stand up or you can crouch or you can be on the toilet or you can sort of like be in whatever position, you can hang on to somebody, um, you can be in a tub, it, it sort of prevents your body from... Um, really doing a lot of damage to the pelvic floor. So uh, definitely tearing is something that is less likely to happen when, when you're at home. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying that your body has got a re more relaxation, but there's also the fact that you can be in whatever position you want to be in and nobody's going to like fuss at you over it. Whereas sometimes in the hospital, they say, you do it like this and they have rules and they have rules of how many people can be in there. And they have rules now with masks and like um, women. I mean, I'm watching pictures of women giving birth in a mask and, you know, I'm, I don't know, you know, whatever makes you feel comfortable where you want to be at when you give birth, if, it, if it's going to make you feel comfortable to be in a hospital, it would probably be better for you to be in a hospital. Sure. But if it's, you know, if you feel like I don't want somebody to dictate how I need to do stuff, a hospital is not going to be the place for you and everything is going to frustrate you. Um, a lot of times women who do go into hospitals have a doula and sometimes their husband with them to advocate for them. Because what has happened is nurses and, 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 and people would come in and say, we're doing this now. And they say, no, no, we're not doing this now. And a mother is in such a state that she cannot advocate for herself that sometimes she needs somebody around her to advocate for her. Whereas that's the pressure... I mean, that's what I mean by not being able to speak. 
Right. You just can't do it. Right. And so sometimes women succumb to whatever, you know, the doctor then says, whether that's the right thing for them or not. Because sometimes, you know, like, I don't need to do that right now. I need to be like this, or I need to sit on the toilet, or I need to be on all fours, or I need to be doing this right now. And if somebody comes in and tells you, now you have to do this, and now you have to do that, and you cannot advocate for yourself, that doesn't make for a very good relaxing situation. Um, there's also um, the, there's a lot more pressure in a hospital too because they everything is focused on time yeah so yeah. so so it's like we need to yeah. oh well you're not dilated enough let's give you this or that yeah. to um to to do that whereas in a more relaxed home environment there's more you know there's more freedom to say okay well we'll wait another hour you know okay and then we could do this and you're like okay well there's something to do after the hour also and that gives you even more relaxation where there's pressure in a hospital a lot of times um, well, i had henry in the hospital so right. i had eight hours right. and so i basically threatened them but you, I, even listening to your story going through the through the method martha it seems like you you would like have lots to say when you're uh, <laughs> um <laughs> when you were pregnant and under that state of like <laughs> I'm going to pressure you to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> well, when someone comes in and says you're not dilating fast enough, and then we're going to give you a, uh, that we're going to induce you. Okay. Uh, that, that pricks up the terror. So then you can speak. Okay. So, you know, if you've got an idea about that, because I have been taking a lot of raspberry leaf tea. Right. So I wanted to give it a chance. Right. So, you know, I mean, you, you've got your own way of doing things. It's difficult in hospital. That's the point you're making. Because other people have got another right. plan. It's not your plan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're more free to have your own plan. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to balance that with caring for the baby. And you've got to know whether you might be pushing your luck a bit and the baby's getting distressed, then you just basically have to give in and do as you're told because the baby exactly. is the priority. That's the situation. Exactly. And that's when the situation calls for the emergency that it called for. Okay, yeah. now we do this. Yeah. <clears throat> the you painted a very clear picture of, of, of what it is to do in a hospital and um, the justification for doing at home. And so you're doing basically with a, with a professional who, who knows how to deal yes. with that and, and <clears throat> is also being through your pregnancy and, and it goes all the way to the birth. Yeah. Somebody who's a, um, I have a licensed um, midwife and um, she is a specific home birth midwife. So she only goes to people's homes to birth, um, to help a woman birth their babies. And um, she, they come to your house to do visits. And uh, so they know, get to know your environment and your family and mm. get involved into the, the whole situation that's in your house. And uh, all the things that, you know, you do in a hospital, you also do, they have blood tests and, you know, it's very standard procedure procedure um and then they also do follow-up visits uh the day after the birth 
two weeks after the birth, six weeks after the birth. They come check out the baby and come check out the mom and then they release you six weeks later. So um, by the time we speak again, like that would probably have been, that probably would have happened at that point. So I'd be able to tell you everything about the birth and I'd be able to tell you like about recovery and um, how all this goes, you know, went down because um, let me say, I'm kind of looking forward to when the baby is, um, is born to get back to a more regular practice because at the moment, all I'm doing is one practice a day. And I'm doing that just because I don't, I feel like I need to check in once a day with some, some pauses, but I don't want to get to a point where I aggravate any situation. So I just sort of do something to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit, but I'm looking forward to sort of doing like three or four practices again, or at least pushing pauses um, past 75 seconds. <laughs> Cause that's about as high or, 80 steps it's about as high as it gets so um, and it is different differently harder i mean i could do easily 120 steps or i could easily do two minutes and i mean it it was very easy before pregnancy but there's definitely you can see that there's a more uh the body has to struggle a little bit more to to get done with it but you don't want to let it struggle too much you know so it's like this fine line i've been walking the whole pregnancy to make sure i don't overdo anything so your, your goal is to keep the balance where you're very comfortable and very stable. Right. And, and that's what you need for this right, right. now. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, you know, I do, I do three pauses. I do one at 45 seconds, one at a minute, one at 75 seconds. And uh, sometimes I'll top that one last one off with like maybe 80 steps or something like that. Or I might just do steps in the first place um, to just, to switch it up a little bit. I work out a little bit. Uh, I don't do a lot of exercise because um, my work is so so standing up and doing stuff all day long that I feel like to do a whole bunch of extra exercises is not really necessary. But I do some just some strengthening exercises for my legs and my hips and so on and so forth to help keep it strong so that I don't have any pain, which I haven't had in this pregnancy. So that's really been paying off. That's great. I mean, CO2 is a fantastic mm. pain killer. So right. It should mean that um, you won't have much pain. I, 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 right. I worked with a woman who had a control pause past 35 and she, she, her birth was perfect. No pain. Right. Right. And baby born with a shock of black hair. I've heard there's different um, 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 things that happen that your baby is born bald or your baby's born with hair and it means different things hormonally and so on and so forth. Well, it'll be so, interesting I don't know. to see what your baby is born like because apparently the baby's born to mothers who do Butekamith that have a shock of black hair for three weeks and then it falls out. And I've got a photo okay. here somewhere. <laughs> it's really Good to be prepared for that. Really <laughs> I mean, I mean... <laughs> Really? I have I have some friends who who have given birth to babies and by month one and two they have to blow dry their hair because it's so much hair. <laughs> 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 so I don't know if it's a genetic thing or what it really is, but um, I personally was bo born with very just like fuzz on my head, you know, and the hair came in much later. 
And then I had blonde hair for the longest time and then now I have um, um, brown hair. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're both very excited. My husband is a very relaxed person. So it's, I feel very good about having him in my, in my space, in my environment. I have um, a, a great team. Um, the midwife, I really like the midwife. I also have a doula that's going to be with me. Um, I mean, if the baby comes this week, I'm not going to have the doula with me. She's coming on Sunday. Um, but um, she is sort of like, she's been at many, many births, lots of very experienced women um, can say, do this and do that. And you don't have the, the, the mind to think about something. Um, also, just somebody that can do chores around in, you know, move pillows and draw water and give towels or, you know, people that could just cater to you a little bit and help you relax even more. So I have a very nice team of people that um, that will be surrounding me. And I feel very comfortable with all those people. And I think sometimes when you are in a hospital, you don't have control over what nurses are going to be tending to you. And you might not like some of them. Um, and, and that might create a more of a stressful situation. So I feel really happy about the people that will be surrounding me is all people that I really wanted in this space and invited to be in the space. So since you have a fantastic plan so that you don't need a plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually a good way of putting it. That I would say I have a good plan to not have a plan. That's really a good way of saying that. Yeah. Hmm. Cause that's how I feel. I can't say, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then when I'm going to do that, then this is going to happen when I go in transition and that's going to happen. I'm like, I don't even like, I'm like, all right, here's the team, here's the environment, let's just be in it. Yeah. Well, they'll be there looking after you. That's their job. Mm -hmm. Yep. This yep. is excellent. Yeah. Example of, uh, you know, <laughs> exciting, uneventful pregnancy and yeah. <laughs> you know, looking forward to see how the birth goes. And right. That's gonna uh, the only fun. thing, the only, I'm a very active person and I like to use my body a lot with what I do. And so, Hmm. having your abdominal muscles stretched over something so big like a big ball i mean this like i'll show you like it's like a like a ball that's in there you know so it's like so you have this 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 it that's the ball right and so yes. all yeah. the abdominal muscles are like being stretched so when you contract it it just doesn't feel good and it's also i know it's not good um to contract your um your muscles over a stretched area so doing all these different maneuvers to get up or to get out of the couch or get out of bed or like squat down or get in your car or get out of your car there's this more thought that goes into you don't just jump up and go do something like you think about okay let me get my feet on the ground and That's really right. stand up because what i what does happen is if you do these let's just jump up and do stuff that's when your pelvis starts rotating and then when your sacrum like kind of like does things it shouldn't be doing and your back goes out now it feels bad and now you feel that you have pain down your leg or something like that so i feel mm. like you just the, the extra two moments it takes to to get up or do something or to make a move you have to think about that you Definitely. also could fall over because you could get the weight distribution <laughs> 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 um and uh, um one of my clients is a, is a um, OBGYN and she said, actually, sometimes when you do something too fast, um, there's a vasovagal reaction that can happen and your blood pressure can all of a sudden drop really fast and you can pass out. 
And I was like, okay, well, I'll just move a little slower then. So everything's a little slower. <laughs> when you do the, the, the strength exercises, do you do exercises where you, I mean, when you're, ex what do you do if you do, a, do you do a squat, for example? Uh, things I like would that? do, I would do things like, um, I have a small fair band. I'll put it around my knees. I'll do hip work. Um, I would do um, balance exercises, standing on one leg, doing like a Romanian deadlift with a very light kettlebell or something like 10 pounds, 20 pounds. Okay. I'll do um, stiff leg uh, Romanian deadlifts with two legs, sometimes with 30 pounds. Um, I will do things like wall sits and I would do things like holding a squat position, like chair hold and that they do in yoga. Um, I do something like a, a quadruped extension when you're on all fours and then you extend one arm and one leg. Sometimes I'll do that with resistance, depending on how I feel. Everything I'm doing is sort of like very functional training. There's a little Pilates base in it. There's a little bit of yoga base in it without too much stretching. Because I was warned in the beginning part of my pregnancy to not stretch a whole bunch. And I think sometimes people feel tight and they want to stretch, but what ends up happening is you start stretching the ligaments and you loosen them up even more. So I'll stretch my hip flexor a little bit here and there, but I'm not holding prolonged stretches. The, the physical therapist told me, she's like, the only thing you can stretch your calves. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll stretch my calves. <laughs> um, sometimes you feel like you just wanna roll over something to kind of stretch this part open a little bit because it feels like your chest comes down a little bit because your back sways but I haven't had too much lordosis happening in my spine or anything like that. Um, I feel like maybe it's because my, my back muscles just, um, I, I kept working on them. You, you stop working on your abs, can't do anything with your abs anymore. But then I just worked on my paraspinal muscles in my back and I use a TheraBand or we'll do body rows or um, use stretch bands um, or cords or something like that. The, um, what do you call it? Um, like a cable machine or something, something dysfunctional. It's not something that I'm going to do like squats or load my spine with weight on my back or anything like that. I actually didn't even do that kind of stuff before I was pregnant. So I just continued on with like just light functional training with an emphasis on body weight and, and very light weights just for tone. Yeah. But perhaps you keep also a little bit of the, on the side, we also have the core muscles. Then they're, they're not just in the front; they're all yeah. around, all the way to the so, spine. So you still keep that stability, exactly. right? Exactly. And so there is a um, when you say do a Kegel, that's when you work with transverse abdominis. And transverse abdominis. So um, you have the fibers that run this way, and then you have fibers that run so internal, and external, obliques. Then you have rectus muscle, which is like you know what everybody's six pack is or whatever. But the muscle that sits deepest to all those is called transverse abdominis. And that's a muscle that you continuously work with. Um, and that muscle is very connected into the pelvic floor. And that's also connected into the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So because I work on my breathing and all that kind of stuff, I don't really have all these problems with my diaphragm. I think, I think it's probably why my back doesn't hurt very much. Um, as a matter of fact, my back almost feels better being pregnant than not being pregnant. Um, doing certain chores just because it's almost like it stabilized it or something, you know. Um, and then you have very small muscles in between the spine uh, called multifidus and, and almost like keeping those muscles really strong. It's very subtle movements. It's not like I'm going to do a heavy squat or a deadlift. You, you train much bigger muscles when you do these big movements. 
when you do these smaller movements, that's when you train these little muscles to keep the core strong. And the core is not just your abs. The core is really everything from the pelvic floor all the way through the diaphragm. And that whole like just circle abdomen um, area, the front, back, you know, all that. In the lower torso. Um, yeah, and then, the, I mean, all, and all of those muscles extend into like, you can say, well, everything is really one. You know, if you really start dissecting the body, you can see how the rectus muscle actually connects all the way into the throat, you know, and how like the, um, um, the um, diaphragm extends into the spine, but then that's related to the psoas muscle that goes all the way into the thigh. And then how that muscle goes all the way into the adductor muscle complex and then into the lower leg and the inside and then into the arch of the foot. So, so it, it's almost like, um, I mean, it's great that I have all this knowledge to be able to train my body and feel it out. I feel it's why I've always also done really well because because I've, I've known a lot about just how my body operates and how it needs to support itself and how to be very diligent about wearing good footwear the whole time and making sure I strengthen my hip muscles and very small hip muscles. Um, it's not just like, let me do a squat to train my glutes. It's like, I need to train gluteus medius and minimus. And, and they're very subtle muscles and they're very small muscles. So the action you're gonna perform is actually really not that big. Yeah, and, and all those things, like those are things on the outside, but then the things on the inside relate to that too. For instance, if you're gonna do a glute medius exercise, you have to kegel at the same time. So you have to hold your pelvic bowl in a certain way to even perform the exercise properly. So all those two things work together. So they communicate with each other. It's interesting how the body, I mean, you can have a baby inside, which is a really big creature that you have inside your body. And yet all that functionality still remains, right? Of the, of, of the bigger muscle groups and those, those connections, right. I mean, it's, which is sort of the famous <laughs> muscle. It's actually the most useless of all of them, right? Yeah, right. And um, I did um, talk to physical therapy because you can have injury to that too, because of just your connective tissue, but your connective tissue is also is related to your level of CO2 at the end of the day. I mean, if you look at a condition like fibromyalgia, it's almost like asthma of your connective tissue. It's vasoconstriction of the connective tissue and that person's in pain all the time because every muscle in the body is surrounded by connective tissue. So if your baby is stealing your CO2 from that part of your body, you're more likely to have stretch marks, you're more likely to, to tear, you're more likely to um, have something called rectus diastesis where it splits in, in the abdomen in the front. So it, it, your level of CO2 is important for all aspects of like what's happening in your body. And it's not just giving you a healthy baby or being able to carry it to, to term, but like what is the integrity of your tissue? And then you lose the CO2. Now you lose more CO2. Now you're breastfeeding. Now you're doing all these things. You're postpartum. You lose blood. You're doing all these things. Where are you going to get your CO2 from? You know? So, um, so I think the connected tissue, um, I felt was, I mean, I had somebody look at it. You know, I had a professional that would say, no, your connected tissue is really good. It's very strong. It's very supple. Um, you have nothing to worry about in this situation. So, it's great, but I do think that it has a relation to CO2 because 
yes, your body can lose CO2 in all the connective tissue and you can have pain. That's why uh, any person who suffers from fibromyalgia, and I've seen this in my work, um, both in an exercise world and in the massage world, where somebody suffers from fibromyalgia, what makes them better is to loosen up their connective tissue, which means I'm artificially like helping distribute oxygen to that tissue. The other thing is if they do exercise, if they, especially if they do two hours of exercise a day, they actually have a lot less pain. It, it ruins all sorts of other things in their body, but like they have less fibromyalgia type pain because you're, you're making CO2 while you're doing exercise. So that is actually distributing to the connective tissue. The only thing is that person would have to keep doing two hours of exercise every single day just to feel better. So- um, Fibromyalgia, I used, to yeah. walk. I used to walk. Right, and then you feel better. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, I mean, that's why a condition like fibromyalgia has, has helped so much by the method because you're making the person have CO2. You, you're teaching them how to hold on to CO2, how to make CO2. Wow, I feel better. My body hasn't hurt so much. So, yeah, but you have to walk at a certain pace. You can't rush. And it no. needs to be steady. Exactly. And it's, a, it's continuous exercise for two hours. That's what um, I think the, they have actually done research on this. Hmm. Um, and when a person with fibromyalgia hears that, that's not what they want to hear. <laughs> like, okay, you need to do two hours of steady exercise every single day, and that's going to help you feel better. Well, no, if I can even get out of bed. <laughs> well, they say that about depression too. Exactly, because that's depriving oxygen from the brain. I mean, it's, or from your emotional brain anyway. So. Great. Yeah. Thank you. All right, you guys, absolutely. Um, if there's any more events happening, I'll let you know and I'll keep everybody posted on like, what are the events following up? Other than that, I'll see you at the next webinar. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. And a really remarkable testimony of Renate, uh, giving us an idea of the level of health, the level of knowledge that a woman needs to have in order to have a successful pregnancy. I hope it was useful. You can find us more, inf you can find more information about the Buteco method in learnbutecoonline.net and you can listen to webinars in your language if English is not your mother language also in Greek, in Spanish, in Hebrew and more and we'll see you in the next one